James chapter 1, verses 3, 4, and 5. That's James 1, 3, 4, and 5. Count it all joy, my brethren, when you meet various trials, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives to all men generously and without reproaching, and it will be given him. Well, let me begin to say by saying what an, what an honor it is to be back in Savannah. Uh, there are a few places in your life, I guess, that end up connecting you and, and really becoming a home base for you. And, and this is without a doubt one of those places for me. Uh, when I walk into the building and, and I, I had, you know, Dustin said, have you hugged everybody yet? I said, no. I think that's going to be the first 15 minutes of the sermon time. We're just going to go around. I, I, I know I'm not going to get to everybody, but I want to get to everybody. So don't run off if you want to hug. I, I, uh, I want to hug too. Hunter, you know, I want a hug and uh, I want to be able to see folks and fellowship. That's what you do with your family. And one of the things that, that just comes to my mind is what a blessing it is to be a part of God's family. And that no matter where you go or how far you move away or how old you get, JT, and tall, and you know, there, there's some things that just don't change. And you're just thankful that, that we're still part of that same family. And what a blessing it is uh, to be back in Savannah. Um, I just, I love the fact that occasionally I'll get to see a few of you up in Jackson here and there and different places and we'll get converse, calls and conversations and you're such an encouragement to our family and you continue to be so. And I want to tell you how much I appreciate that. I still love a good laugh every once in a while. Buddy asked me about what the scripture reading was for the morning and I said, well, how, let's just do Psalm 119. And he put his, took his Bible and he walked and he sat down and I stood over there by Jared Brumley and I said, look, buddy's fixing to turn to the scripture reading for the day. I said, I told him it was Psalm 119. I said, when he gets over there, he'll see all 150 verses of that. And then he's fixing to turn around and look back at us. And I'll go tell him that it's not Psalm 119, but I just, I, I, I love... I love the joy of being in a place where there's so many wonderful things. It was wonderful to be a part of the celebration with uh, the family last night with the rinks. And it's wonderful to be a part of, of the celebration of, of our Lord this morning uh, around this table and to think about the hope and the joy that it brings to us. Now, you guys know I'm not really a preacher. <laughs> Y'all know that. And I, I'm, a, I'm a part of the family. And one of the things that I, I tend to do more than preach is, is converse and hopefully to teach and to share uh, something from God's Word that will be a blessing uh, to you as it has been to me as I've studied it and thought about it. You know, over the last, <clears throat> over the last few weeks, we have, uh, we have embarked on a journey that many of you have already been a part of for quite a while. In different phases of life, in different situations and times, uh, many of you have already been on this journey. And it was uh, about three weeks, three and a half weeks ago, I guess, when we got the word that uh, Natalie was diagnosed with breast cancer. And we, do, we, we began that journey and began the journey of chemotherapy and, and the process that we're, we're involved in that so many of you have already done and been a part of. 
And as Buddy read that verse this morning, consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kind. Because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. And perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Now, if you're like me, most of the time I don't, you know, look at things and go, you know, I really, I've got plenty. I don't, or I, I'm not lacking anything. I usually don't want to be lacking anything. If it's, if it's a plate full of food, I want a plate. I'm excited about a full plate. If it's a, if it's a, a bank account, you're, you're hopefully excited when you look out there and it's not lacking anything. You know, it's when you look at your gas tank and it's full, you're glad that it's not lacking anything. And normally when I look at faith, I'm thinking, man, I, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to have a, a full faith. I want to have a good faith. But when you read what James says, and he says, sometimes the, the filling of your faith comes when you are in the midst of great trials. And normally that's not a prayer that I'm going to say, God, pour some trials on me. Let me have this in my life. And, and as, as I look back in the last few weeks, I think, man, what a blessing it's been to try to look for those blessings that are woven in the midst of very difficult and hard times. To look for those moments in life that you see God doing things and blessing you and your family in ways that you never really could see. That phrase, consider it pure joy. The key is, is shifting sometimes our perspective on hardships. It begins with those ideas, two words, consider it. The Greek word for that is a verb about thought and not emotion. Sometimes when you look at things, you, you have an emotion about something, but it's not necessarily the way you ought to be thinking about it. And we're challenged to kind of twist our thinking. Bob Beeson put it this way. James is not commanding how one should feel, but rather how one should think about his circumstances. There was a fellow by the name of Howie Rutledge. He was a prisoner of war in North Vietnam, and he, he chronicled his seven-and-a-half-year journey in captivity. He says it was faith that sustained him through and helped him to even encourage many of his fellow soldiers. He was sort of their, their chaplain of sorts in their prison. But he wrote a book called In the Presence of Mine Enemy. And one of the things he suggested that I'll never forget is this. He says that instead of looking at the trial, we should look through the trial to the potential outcome. Instead of looking at a trial, to look through the trial. To try to see beyond the trial. To see whatever it is that God's got on the other side of this. And that's what I want us to think about today. I want us to think about this idea of looking beyond what it is that we're going through. And that's not always an easy thing to do. Turn with me, if you would, in your Bibles to Mark chapter 4. In Mark chapter 4, we have a moment that kind of is paralleled loosely, as, as sometimes preachers are known to do, to the situations of our life. In Mark chapter 4, beginning in verse 35. The Scripture says, That day when evening came, He said to His disciples, Let us go over to the other side. And leaving the crowd behind, He took along with Him those that were in the boat. And He said there were also other boats with them. And a furious squall came up, 
and it broke over the boat so that they were nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion, and the disciples woke Him and said to Him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? And He got up, and He rebuked the winds, and He said to the waves, Peace, be still. Then the winds died down, and it was completely calm. And He said to His disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? And they were terrified, and they asked each other, Who is this that even the winds and the waves obey Him? At the beginning of the passage it says, When the evening came, He said to His disciples, Let's go over to the other side. I remember when I was a young guy that... Now I'm not so young, but I'm, you know, I'm getting, you know, anyway. I remember when I was younger, much younger. Brother G.P. Holt came and he held a meeting for us at, with this congregation. We were in the old building and, and for those of you who remember Brother Holt, it, he, was a, he was a mountain of a man and he was, he was an older gentleman. It was like listening to your grandfather talk. I can remember the, the old movie when I was in elementary school called Song of the South and had the Uncle Remus on it. Well, that's, that was Brother Holt. And Brother Holt could start with a text like this and he, could, he was going to talk about later things, but he would get that first phrase and he might preach on it, JT, for 25 minutes. Hopefully I won't do that to you this morning. But I don't want to leave this first phrase without mentioning something that I heard him say. Jesus said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Jesus said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. He's talking about getting in a boat, traveling across a lake, going to another city, another place, another town. But in a real sense, throughout Jesus' ministry, the same thing is said over and over and over again to you and to me, to His disciples here in Savannah. He says, let us go over to the other side. You see, that's really what this is all about. Let us go over to the other side. And I'm, I'm afraid too many times in our lives we get so wrapped up with staying on this side that we miss what it is that God is trying to do for us, through us, and with us as we are going over to that other side. You see, this is, this is important for now, but it's really not important for forever. The things that we worry about and we invest so much time in and that we, we, we get so wrapped up in about the now, for the most part, when you are a hundred years into eternity, when you are 200,000 years into eternity, you're not even going to think back and go, you know, I, I really... Man, that was, a, that was a terrible decision. I, would, I really worried a lot about how that was going to look on me. I really was consumed about what that... And so many times we get wrapped up in the now and not the other side. And I think when Jesus makes this statement to these guys, for me, it comes to this idea that says, Chuck, I want to challenge you to think about more about the other side than you are about this side. When you're making decisions about your family, think more about investing in the other side than you are in this side. When you're thinking about your, your finances, think less about 
your retirement for 20, 30, 40 years and think about your eternity for the rest of forever. When you're thinking about the, the things of your life and, and an illness that you may be dealing with, think about how it is that that illness is drawing you in closer to your eternal Father and preparing you for an eternity. Not for a few years here in this place, but for an ev- forever there in that place. And so as I listen to James's words and I say and he says to us consider it pure joy when you face trials because it is developing in you perseverance that's something that lasts and lasts and lasts. And so the challenge for us is to look not at the trials that we face but to look through them and to see things beyond the moment that are going to last forever. And are there things that God's trying to adjust our perspective as we move beyond this place to the other side? Let us go over to the other side. Maybe if we could think about the perspective of our life that in the midst of the trials that He is working something far greater for us that is beyond the momentary. That if our life was directed throughout every moment of time, every decision, every conversation that we had, and we were thinking about the other side, maybe we would spend more time doing the things that are more important. I thought about that in the concept of one Sunday not too long ago, right after we had found out, several of the well-meaning ladies in the congregation had gotten together and they were like, we need to have, you know how you got games and you do whiteouts or you do blackouts or I don't know if y'all have maroon outs. I don't know. But you do those kind of things. We're like, we need to have a day where we just show our support and we all wear pink. And that's all well and good. I hate pink. <laughs> but, um, and it was nice and it was, but, but that's, that's not what it, and I'm thinking, you know, and it was a beautiful see, scene to see a lot of the people in church wearing that and you're like, man, that's so nice and it's, the support is so good. But it crossed my mind, what if we had that same kind of focus with people that not are sick with a disease, but that are sick with sin? What if we had that same kind of focus with and said, listen, listen, listen we, need to wear, we need to wear purple, man, for everybody that we know that's lost. And every time you see that, to think, man, I need to be talking to that person about their eternity because this is a forever thing. To think about people that, that are so wrapped up in different businesses and things that they're, man, I'll have somebody over to the house, I'll talk to them, I can't wait. But then you look at it and you go, am I doing that same thing about God's business? Am I willing to share those things about the other side that, that I'm so focused on right now in a temporary thing that's not even going to last? Jesus says, let's go to the other side. As they got in the boat, they went across the water and... This is in the, middle of, in the middle of the transition. Jesus has gone down to take a nap. He's laying down. He's sleeping underneath the, the bow of the stern of the boat. And Scripture says that out of nowhere this, this storm arose. Now here's one thing that I think is pretty important for us. Is it's the fact that this is a boat and these are followers of Jesus and Jesus is even in the boat and as they're passing across... This natural phenomenon happens. And they go through a tremendous storm. 
It's a physical storm. It's a scary storm. It's something that that has caused these fishermen, many of them fishermen, and I'm not a fisherman, and Dustin's not either. Bobby Hollis isn't either. You know, but I mean, you know, you know what it's like to have fishermen in the family, and I mean, they have different feelings when they're in boats and they're on the water than I do. Side note: I remember one time, Dustin, Jim Decker is Jim Decker invited me to go fishing with him. And it was winter time. We were early part of the winter. I didn't know. And I knew I was in trouble when my blue jeans and my little windbreaker stepped onto his boat and he stepped into like some kind of a, a pilot suit. And when he reached under the steering wheel, he pulled out some safety goggles. And he got ready to take off across the water. I froze. I was a popsicle. It was the most miserable day. I don't know if I've been fishing since, Dustin. And we didn't catch anything. But I was glad Jim invited me to go. And I, I love Jim. And, but I, I thought about that. You know, I, fishermen, they have a different way. They understand when the waters get rough. It's a normal thing. It's not a big thing. But these were fishermen, and they were afraid of a storm that they were in the midst of. It was a big deal. And something that for a lot of people, and really for the world in general, there's this kind of idea that says, hey, if you follow Jesus, if you get in the boat with Jesus, nothing bad's going to happen. You ever watch TV? I do. I don't, sometimes I do watch TV. But I'll flip through and I'll find these different smiling preachers. You know, the smiling preachers that send us money. The Lord loves you. Everything's going to be okay. No, God will bless your family and He'll give you happiness. And everything's wonderful in life for the people that follow the Lord. These are people following the Lord and in the midst of it, they're they're pulling out their hair going, do you not care that we're about to die here? Wait, I don't understand. I thought it was, the ocean's going to be smooth. It'll be like a Disney cruise for Jesus. No, that's not the way it is. A storm blows up in the midst of this journey And they are afraid. And there are times in the midst of our journey that storms will blow upon us and we are going to be afraid. We are going to not understand why that we're in the middle of this. We're going to wonder, where is this? But Jesus said to us a long time ago, He says, hey, there are going to be times where storms come. As a matter of fact, at the the end of his longest sermon in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, he's telling us about this scenario. And he says, there are people that will hear the words of mine and they will put them into practice. And they will be like a wise man who built their house upon a rock. And the rains came down. And the streams rose. And the winds beat and blew against the house. Yet it did not fall because its foundation was on the rock. But everyone who hears the words of mine and doesn't put them into practice is like a foolish man who builds his house on sand. And the rains came and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell with a great crash. And when Jesus finished his sayings, the crowd was amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as the teachers of the law. You see, Jesus, as He's teaching, He's saying, all of these things we're talking to you about in this place, whether you've come for Sunday school and you're listening to the teachings of Jesus and you're hearing and you're learning about life in those classes, which those are so important. Don't miss the opportunity to be in those classes learning more about God's Word. Because that's words that's what's going to sustain you when the storm tides rise. 
But as Jesus is there teaching, He says, the one who hears the words of mine, the teachings of mine, and puts them into practice. It's not just something that you hear and you go, you know, that probably one day would be a good thing for me to figure out. I think I'll pay attention to that one day. Or maybe when I get a little older, I'll decide, yeah, that's something that, uh, that I need to probably do a little better. And I'll probably try to clean that part of my life up. No, that every day of my life is looked at, looking at that other side. And every day of my life is looking at, am I building my life on that rock that Jesus spoke of here? Am I living out the things that He said? Am I following Him into this journey that He has given us? Because of both characters in the story Jesus just shared, rains came on both of them. Storm clouds popped up over both of them. And so whether or not you're in the middle of a storm right now, whether or not you're on the other side of a storm, you just come out of one, or whether or not you're sitting in a peaceful place and the boat's not even rocking, and just to know, hey, the reality of life is that storms come. And how and what we have done prior to the storm and what we've built our life on and what we've anchored ourselves to is going to determine whether or not my life falls apart in the middle of the storm. The reason you can say goodbye to a loved one in the midst of, of a lifelong journey is because you know that our, our life was built on that rock. And that I'll see him on the other side. The reason that you can go through moments and times in life and you go, because this is what we've been building our whole life about. And I remember when, when Wes had called me probably a month and a half or two months ago and said, hey, we'd love for you to come back to Savannah and speak one Sunday. And, and we were trying to navigate when that could happen and what that might look like. And, and I knew about, you know, the wedding. And I thought, well, that would be good. I could be there and just be there. And, and, and it would be a, an easy thing to make happen. And, and that was all kind of before we got this, you know, this, this uh, new wave that began to rock our boat. And I thought, you know, it'd be real easy to call Wes and say, Wes, you know, I, listen, this is all going on with Natalie and, and we're, you know, we're taking chemo next Tuesday and, and it's just, I, I don't, you know, somebody else would probably do a better job. But then I thought to myself, you know, I think it's important that the world understands that we go through trials and that life happens, as the insurance commercial says, life happens to all of us. And just because something difficult is going on in your life at that moment does not mean that God is not faithful, does not mean that God is not still in control, does not mean that God is still not God, and God is still good in everything that He is and does. And He is going to see us through whatever that is. And I thought to myself, you know, it's important that even in the midst of difficult moments of life, you continue to communicate the message that God is still God and God is still good. And that we're going from here to the other side no matter what happens in the meantime. And I want to make sure my life is built on that rock. And then my hope is anchored in Jesus Christ. Whether it's here in this place or whether it's there in forever, that that's what life is about. Jesus says... Hear the words of mine. Put them into practice. You know, it's, it's not always an easy thing 
as you go through life. But one of the things that you see in Mark 4 is that the difference that was made in that journey <clears throat> was who they were in the boat with. You know, I told you my story about getting in the boat with Jim Decker. <clears throat> I thought that, that, was, that was a good day. He had a good boat. The motor cranked. Everything was good. I froze to death, but I can remember times going fishing, you know, David Baker and I in a little old cardboard box looking thing. We slipped in the back of his truck. It was a scary thing, you know. Who are you in the boat with? I can remember going out to Dr. Green's house and not having anybody in a little boat out on his little lake. Who are you in the boat with? Who is it that you're saying, I want you to captain my life? I want to trust you with whatever blows up into my atmosphere. I want to know that when the road gets rough and when things are difficult, that when I reach out to grab hold of somebody's hand, when I look around to cry, don't you care that I know if I see him, I know the answer already. I know that when he says, do not be afraid because I am with you. I know when he says, in this world you will have troubles, but be of good cheer because I've overcome this world. I hear his words speaking over and over and things that he has said in the past that he says to me today in the moment of suffering that Jesus says, oh, you have little faith. I want you to hold on because I'm here with you. And the great question and the great challenge is, is He in your boat? Is He part of the life and the journey that you make? You know, I think sometimes it's, it's very natural to look at moments of time and you go, don't you care? And it causes us to, to, to ask those questions. And you've been there. You've struggled with those thoughts. And if you haven't, you will. But the answer is yes, He does. He cares more than we can imagine. Even so much so that when He speaks and the winds and the waves die down, He says, peace. Peace, be still. Peace to all of our uncertainties, He says, peace. To our sicknesses, He says, peace. To the difficulties with people, He says, I want to bring you peace. To the marriage issues, He says, listen, Put me in the boat. Begin to listen to me and follow me. I want to speak peace. To a soul that feels like they're sinking because of their sin or they're sunken already, he says, I want to give you peace. Peace be still. Over and over throughout Scripture, we find different times in which you see storms popping up. Some of them are storms that people caused on their own. Some of them are storms that just happened. Jonah... Running from God, the storm pops up and it's trying to teach him something. You don't run from the Lord. God wants you to do something. It's probably a good idea to do it. It's going to work out better for you in the long run if you do it on your time, you know, on the first invitation. I think about Peter as he stepped out into water and began to walk to the Lord, but, but waves begin to crash and he takes his eyes off Jesus and begins to sink in the middle of that moment. But even in the midst of sinking, as he cries out, Jesus' hand takes hold of him and he pulls him back up. He says, let's go back to the boat. 
I think about moments and times in Paul's life when he's shipwrecked and the storms are, are surrounding the ships. And in Acts chapter 27, it's such a beautiful passage where Paul has had this vision from the Lord and he says, You keep courage. I have faith in God, but it will happen just as He told me. And that's a powerful statement. That in the midst of whatever storms we are, He says, hey, take courage. God is faithful. It's going to happen just like you said. And so my challenge to us today is, is to think about that great parallel to us. To think about what it's like to be in the midst of those storms. To think about what it is to have the right kind of focus. Whatever it is, not to just look at a problem, but to see through it on the other side. Not to look at moments of difficulty, but to see opportunities in which we can be a blessing and minister to other people. And we can serve and shine God's light even in the midst of storms when we're facing them. God is faithful. And God is good. And God is still God and God is still good. I remember a story from Ralph Turnbull. He said this. It's called He Had the Nails. There was an elder woman who had been, elderly woman who had been crippled by arthritis and her friend asked her that question sometimes we like to ask. Well, do, do you suffer much? And the older lady looked back and said, Yes, but there are no nails here. And she pointed to her hands. He had the nails but I have the peace. She then pointed to her head and she said, there's no thorns here. He had the thorns, but I have the peace. And then she touched her side and she said, there's no spear here. He had the spear and I have the peace. You see, on the cross, Jesus had all of the pain that we could imagine enduring in this life. And the reason He endured pain was so we could have peace in the midst of whatever pain we face. And we realize the grand picture is, why was He on that cross? He was there so that we could make this journey to the other side. So today as we gather, if you're in the midst of a storm, and you look at life and you go, what am, what am I doing here? I feel like I'm just being blown around and I don't have an anchor. I don't, I'm not attached. Jesus is not in my life and my boat and, and I don't know what's going to happen. Maybe you are a child of God that's walked away and you, you basically kicked Him out. You said, I don't want you in my boat. I'm doing my own thing. I've got this. Maybe it's time to come back to the Lord. To ask Him to forgive you for walking away. And ask Him to take you back. Maybe the case is that He's not the captain of your vessel. He's not... We talk about captains in ship terms. We talk about the idea of being the Lord of your life. You're not following Jesus yet. You've never confessed that you believe in Him. You've never allowed Him to, be, to wash away your sins in the waters of baptism, putting on Him as your Lord. And you go, it's time for me to invite Him into my boat. It's time for me to set sail with the One who is here for the very purpose of me taking me to the other side. And if there's any way we can encourage you or help you this morning, won't you come together as we stand, as we sing.